Welcome to A New Lease of Life, a podcast and insider's guide to the build to rent sector. Exclusive interviews, thought-provoking analysis and entertaining discussion. Brought to you by Deverell Smith, the right people. Welcome to A New Lease of Life, a podcast and insider's guide to the build to rent sector. My name is Nick Hammond, I'm head of build to rent at Deverell Smith. We are thrilled and honoured to have John Angus at Switch Hospitality join. Welcome. Thank you very much. Morning. How, how are you today? Very good, thank you. Enjoying the weather today. It's nice and hot. Absolutely. Well, John, look, we've got tons to get through, um, but I'm really first keen just to deep dive into your career because you have uh, a, a brilliant hotelier background. So um, I'm keen to learn lots more about Switch, but talk to me about your, your, your journey prior to Switch and I guess your all recent move into the build to rent sector. Yeah, well, I I started your your standard um, actual hotel management graduate. Uh, went to work for forty hotels. I think when things changed for me was when I started to work for independent owners. So I worked for a company called Faroka, um, where that was much more of an entrepreneurial owner, purchasing properties all over, um, certainly Oxfordshire at that time. Uh, then I went back in to do a, to do a bit more corporate work in my my actual last role again going back to work for private individuals and then I was offered the opportunity to set up actually one company which I've done now so for two years now we actually launched Switch um, and we've I think COVID um, is probably what drove us to actually do a lot more um, different things we decided to stay open during COVID mm-hmm. um, we had 650 bedrooms in Birmingham and um, went from full occupancy to zero guests and 300 wow. staff to take care of. So that that changed our whole structure completely. Yeah. Um, and how many staff do you have at the moment? There'll be 320 across our group. 320, so it's a big group. And, and, how, and how old Switch? Exactly? Switch is two years old. Two years um, old. Yeah, so we've just come to the second anniversary. Mm-hmm. So you've moved into the build trend sector. What, wh- where did that progression come from? What, you know, is, is were you looking at your background and was there a, an easy transition into it? Um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, Seven Capital are our, um, they own a couple of buildings that actually we manage and they are shareholders and switch. Yeah. Um, and Seven Capital wanted to build a PRS development in Birmingham and they wanted to break the ceiling of the rate. So at that time, we were talking about um, setting rates which were, and standard standard sort of rental yields four or five percent with 800 900 pounds per month actually for a one-bed apartment yeah. their idea was to build something that was going to be much more upmarket so we talked about Grosvenor Suites um, that type of standard so ultimately we partnered the 228 actual apartments actually with Park Regis which is a yeah. luxury um, property they sit actually next door to each other okay. Um, and then we moved our staff over there, and ultimately that was about three hundred and seventy pounds a square foot in the marketplace, and it's now about four hundred and twenty-five. We've got about seven percent actual investor return, ninety-eight percent um, occupancy. Yeah. But we started to realise that actually BTR, in our world, is all about service, and actually if BTR is all about service and and actually customer retention and customer satisfaction, yeah. Well, without being arrogant, that's what our day job is it's what we've been doing for actually most of our life so mm-hmm. when we put a hotel trained actual reception team and a hotel trained team taking care of customer service 
we find that um, customer retention actually yields grow greatly. Yeah. So you think customer service and guest experience, those are the principles you brought across. Have you had to um, have you had to alter them slightly to fit the, the renter rather than a, a guest who's staying overnight, or is it principally very similar? No, you do because ultimately there are there are less hands-on touch customer service points yeah. when you have a customer in a hotel there's much more time actually with that customer they they want a service when you have a tenant in yeah. an apartment they want to be able to actually have that service actually when they want it so yeah. for us a lot of it was around keeping our team busy because yeah. our teams are used to um, um, taking a booking answer on the phone carrying bags they can yeah. do five six seven eight different things whereas behind a desk at an apartment block yeah. there could be lots of dormant times so there's a lot of focus and training and development that, that actually goes into that so it's certainly not just a case of go from one to the other yeah interesting i think you'd rather have it that way around than the other 100 percent. yeah yeah absolutely it's it's you know customer service is all about understanding the customer it's not telling the customer actually what they want too many people seem to feel that yeah. they will tell the customer what customer service is whereas yeah. everyone has a different actual expectation as to what they want yeah we, we, we touched on switch briefly but I guess if you could just talk about what what exactly switch is what you've come to do and um, you know how, where you guys are right now that would be really useful yeah well we um, um, actually were employed uh, by Staywell Hospitality which is a branch of seven to manage the properties from 2019. So we ran a couple of hotels actually for them. 2021, after COVID, um, we sat down and said, right, well, let's formalize because we are now stretching outside of our core market. Mm -hmm. Let's set up a company. So essentially actually Switch was born and seven of the directors who were employed by Staywell have come over to join the team in Switch. Right. And then we've got an actual um, backup team as well so we got a team in switch itself of about 12 yep. and then obviously we then have all the the teams in the actual hotels so we have a serviced office block got PRS development actually as well mm. but what, what we've also found with switch is that we are moving into consultancy we're moving into pre-build and I think that's something that's really key in the BTR market which is yeah. that the number of times that actually we're asked to comment on a development after planning and it's almost like you've you've lost the opportunity to benefit from whether that be extra space. Um, so we always try to drive for look before planning, yeah. get your operator involved, and then that way you will have a, 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 you know no disrespect to architects actually and designers, but they give you the give you the keys and off you go. Actually, we have to operate it. So to be able to operate it, I mean, I took a photograph of a building in Birmingham last week actually mm -hmm. from a team that had right in the centre of Birmingham with about actually 20 bins parked outside the front door because someone hadn't thought about the actual waste strategy. Yeah. And you think, well, this is where you need the operator involved. So yeah, we're doing a lot of actual consultancy work. So just now we're stretching across actual hotels. We have the developments that we talked about. We're doing actual consultancy. Mm. And I think that, that helps as well because we are also very much into maximising the space so we're very much into this old argument about uh two bed three person two bed four person um it's quite hard to sell a two bed three person who gets actual smallest room yeah. so can you move it to two, to two bed four there's a big argument or or uh, not argument actually debate around um 
you know, actual roof spaces and open spaces commercially, we would always think that's a penthouse. Yeah. Actually move your services to the ground floor and if your services are on the ground floor then they're actually more efficient. Mm. Um, and then corner rooms, views, we are very much into driving all that for the extra the extra income, having six, yeah. seven, eight different actual types of apartment as opposed to just your standard sort of one or two. Yeah. And is there is there a sweet spot in terms of um uh, like the, the size of the building that you would take on in terms of would it be 150 units would you do something up to a thousand um, yeah do you I mean, have a sweet spot yeah well I think to be able to afford the fees yeah you tend to think that it needs to be probably actually 150 um, yeah actual apartments or above there's no limit on the scale because um, ultimately the more scale the better yeah. we tend to find that if we are going into a city so for example we've got properties in Southampton and in Portsmouth that are due to come to to the market early 2025 yeah. and we are already looking at adding other properties in those cities so whether that be take on a sort of hotel take on an actually another yeah. block because that then allows us to focus our team and our efforts and it sounds like your setup that you could um, take on an asset anywhere in the uk yeah so. absolutely well i mean we've been looking at some things in yorkshire right now as i said uh, southampton portsmouth um we looked at some bits actually in london um, I think the the market down here in London is very much where there's there's clearly lots of development, but uh, but there's also the second part of switch, which is that we've realised that there's a corporate market yeah. that are keen on actually having apartments, and there's been a as you probably know Nick, there's been a, a a period of time where people have tried to manage their voids by using Airbnb and putting in sort of leisure guests and that's then caused a party which has then caused an issue which has yeah. then said right well let's not do it we have a big demand for corporate guests who are you know not going to actually sort of take an apartment actually wreck it yeah. they want to stay i mean i had uh we had um actually something we're working with now for 150 apartments for nine months for the navy in southampton yeah you know that's that that's going to yield substantially higher income than actually a monthly rental yeah. So for us, that secondary income stream is starting to really actually make a difference because it's that piece on void management. It might be great to be at 95% occupancy, but if it takes you three years to get there, well then how can you fill the three years with extra business? And actually is, is actually 95% good. Yeah. Should you have a different blend? Should it be 80, 20? Um, so we like to challenge the, the um, sort of normal a little bit. Definitely, and I've, I've heard this argument that, you know, um, filling up your building quickly technically feels like a good thing but if you've got the wrong type of tenant in there uh, who is a disruptive tenant who might not pay on time yeah. uh, it's actually worse in the long run um, so I think the the corporate market sounds really interesting yeah well we're opening 161 yeah. apartments in Birmingham um, yeah. and we're calling it an apart hotel yeah. so essentially that for me is one of the biggest threats to BTR Yeah. that you know, actual hoteliers are now building actual hotels and adding on apartments yeah. in, in pretty much every city. So uh, whereas BTR um, developers seem to be slow to, to catch it on, whether it's actually management companies aren't quite getting it. Corporate markets, not that easy because you have to have certain actual qualifications and you have yeah. to have a booking system. So it's not something you can just actually switch on. But actually when you can look at the yields I mean, you know, an average, if you look at Birmingham, an average nightly stay for a corporate guest in an apartment 
probably 90 100 pounds a night yeah. which is two and a half three thousand pound a month you're not going to get that actually you know, actually a monthly yield you'll probably perhaps get 12 1400 pounds yeah. so yeah it's definitely a market that's there and a fairly safe market actually as well definitely um so uh, i guess talk to you about sort of how how do you differentiate from competitors i think the build trend management company space it's uh, it's still fairly infant but there's definitely more and more cropping up so how, how and I feel it's going to be your hotel background but how, what's the obvious um, uh, point of differentiation well I think it's quite interesting and I, you know we always try not to sound condescending but constantly been amazed by the amount of hotel systems that are not actually used in BTR so whether that be customer service measurement, actually whether that be training, actually development, mm. quality of team, you know, you hear lots of management companies trying to employ people from a hotel background. But if you took a member of my team to go into a BTR development, they would probably only be actually half as good as coming in with all of our systems. Yeah. And I think that's the point. Whereas as a hotel company, we've been doing this for a long time. You know, we've been managing actually hotels. I've been managing actually hotels for 30 years. Yeah. So we've been given customer service. The great, the other thing about actually hotel world is uh, actually measurement. So when you have an owner, we're used to being able to measure all of our occupancy, our rates, our customer satisfaction. We measure our actual employee satisfaction. So every quarter we have an actual uh, survey of all of our staff and we yeah. understand that 95% actually of our team are fully engaged, etc., etc. So when you can go to an owner and a developer actually whatever, and say, well, look, we can give you clear measurement. Yeah. We can give you a clear, you know, actual monthly update on, on details. But I think it, it does come back to the being, being entrepreneurial. Yeah. I mean, it's my company, it's my business. When I walk into any business, it becomes actually my business. So for me, you know, for example, during COVID, we could have simply followed 95% actually of the trend and said to our owners, mm. sorry, we have to close up. We can't continue to operate. But because we're entrepreneurial and it's our business, we stayed open. We sent all of our staff home and the directors actually kept the hotels open. Yeah. I had my family coming in actually with me on a Tuesday night because I was in charge of 15, yeah. 20 rooms. So the differential, I think, is that we see the business as ours and we'll do everything in our power to make it actually successful. Mm. I think that point you mentioned about uh, the employee sa um, satisfaction survey, I think that's really interesting. So I think if you, uh, the, the belief is if you have, look after employees and have happy employees, they will respect the business and provide better service and, and in turn better for customers and, and who else is involved. Well, I think it sounds like common sense, but it's surprising yeah. how many people I don't mean, do it. Exactly. Um, yeah. But for us, our whole strategy is around our people. Yeah. Um, but I've always believed that you shouldn't do something because you think it's the right thing to do. You should do something because you've got the stats, you've yeah. got the detail in front of you. You know, um, our, our quarterly surveys with our team have been going for three and a half years. You know, and I've got 72% actually of all of our employees have been with us actually for actually more than a year. Yeah. And that gives us real stability to know that, you know, all these conversations about not being able to actually sort of clean rooms because mm -hmm. we don't have housekeepers, not being able to do that. We don't have any of those issues because yeah. our team know that they are valued and we listen to them. And when, you know, we had a situation last year where our surveys were starting to show 
the cost of living that this is particularly when the energy started to yeah. go up actually dramatically I went to the owners of the companies and said look we've given you a forecast for the summer uh, cost us £60,000 a month yeah. to pay the staff 10% more per month if we can grow profit by that 60000 can I give it all back to the staff and they said yes of course and then mm -hmm. we sat down with the team and said look you've got actually a month in July la 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 lots of different pieces to try and they made 75000 the first month and they did it every month until January and then it continues and yeah. uh, you know we've got our managers and across our group are on their six consecutive actually six monthly bonus yeah. um, so if you invest in your team profits actually will come in my view too many people are focused on profit yeah. for me profit takes care of itself um, invest in your team take care of your team be proud of your team and then I mean one of the great stats that I actually love is that 82% um, actually of our team believe that what a great place to actually yeah. work and they'd recommend someone else to actually come and work there these stats are just great and it's about continuing to actually work with them and then get get the confidence but again we were voted best employer in Birmingham and 16th best employer in the UK mm -hmm. um, and that is more important than any of our accolade yeah talk that's fascinating talk to me the journey if, if I'm uh, joining switches I don't know a front of house person what what does that experience look like from the day I join right through to um, being you know in the company for two three years is there I guess by the sounds of it, is there continuous training and development of these? Yeah, well, the beauty now of having computer systems and, and HR systems is, is that everything can be on a platform. Mm -hmm. So there's a platform where you can join the company. There's a three-month period for probation. Um, but what's also crucial in, in the journey is our managers are measured. Yeah. So all of our managers are measured on on all of that journey. Mm. So every member of staff, for example, has to have a four week actual review, eight week review, 12 week actual review. We have to do an annual PDP um, so that then you're sitting down. So yep. PDP being personal development plan. So every member of staff, no matter actually where they work, has to have all those touch points. Yeah. But again, we measure all those touch points actually with our managers mm. and then they, they have to be in green to then be, be voted for for various things and to because if our, our managers aren't in green they don't get paid the bonus yeah. because that's the focus on taking care of the team but what's also key as well is having a pathway so if you join our yeah. team you can look at any role in our company and you'll be able to see the qualifications the experience and the time it should take you to get there mm. and then it's a case of the managers then sharing that detail so someone wants to yeah. become a you know, hotel manager, a general manager, or a sales director. Well, then that's the pathway, and they can yeah. see the pathway to actually get there. That bit you just said about rewarding managers based on the performance of their staff. Like I look, I look at a lot of rewards packages, and usually it's just linked to the occupancy of the building. It doesn't yeah. take into account anything to do with their staff beneath them. I'd, yeah, and 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 this is a bit where it's being very specific yeah. and sitting down with a manager and saying, look part of your role is that you have to take care of your team because if you take care of your team we understand the benefits that come from that we're going to measure you in uh, you know for example sort of holidays I mean how many times do you hear where people will ask actually for a holiday some of the simplest things is, these things are really mm -hmm. important and then the manager takes four or five weeks to actually get back to them to answer them yeah it's just you know actually a lack of respect I was talking to someone who works for a different company um, when I was actually away and they were saying that 
they were they were underpaid mm. and no one told them about it you know just common courtesy whereas you got to treat people the way you want to be treated yeah. actually yourself so our managers have got a grid eight nine ten points on it they have to be in the green They've, if they're not in the green yeah. for three months then they're having a job chat actually mm. themselves but I mean last month our entire company was in the green yeah. um, but the good thing is is that that comes to our board as part of our structure we look at it every month yeah so a manager knows if you're in our company and you want to to actually um, go forward that's actually how you do it you yeah. get yourself in the green actually before you start mm. um, so you've had you've got 300 plus staff um, that, that's a lot of people how, where you know, I'm, I imagine a lot of them came from a hospitality background but where did you find them and, and, and I guess that, that's a very big talent acquisition how, how did you do, how did you do that well we're quite fortunate being being in a city center so being in a city center you do have the ability to have lots of students from Birmingham that can then yeah. help build a structure you have a, a, a very diverse culture actually in Birmingham yeah so that then is great because it gives you a diverse actual workforce um, but I think it's having we set targets four years ago and it sounds very simple but our targets were to become aspirational that was our number one target actually as a group yeah. so we want to be aspirational basically where our team want to actually work for us we want our customers to choose us and ask for us um, and then everything actually we do is about being aspirational yeah. so when we become an aspirational um, um, you know um, company whenever we put out actually a job advert we invariably have more candidates of quality coming through mm. than probably a competition um, but also being independent you have to be you know you have to work harder than a brand because a brand which yeah. is fantastic, but they have the power and the size of the brand. Yeah. They are they are already known. I mean, if you had your your child graduating from university and they were going into a management company, would they ever pick Switch? Because they would think yeah. of Marriott, they would think of Hilton. Um, mm. Where we can stand aside is, is that we can be a bit more entrepreneurial and a bit more individual. We let our graduates choose their pathway. Yeah. So if you're a graduate, come to work for us. You have to work for us in a part-time role first. It's like a trial for both of us. Yeah. So if you're going to be a manager of the future, you have to come and work in the bar or actually in the restaurant yeah. or the kitchen. Um, and you'll get to see a culture there and mm -hmm. we'll see you. And then when it comes down to taking on the role, yeah. then you've taken on the role with your eyes open. And then the beauty, the beauty of our graduate schemes is we ask you what departments you actually want to cover. And then we build yeah. a personalized scheme rather than a member as a graduate and it was people told me you know i think the times when people too many people think that they know best yeah and they will tell you i i don't spend time telling anybody anything i'd yeah. rather share and ask and yeah. build it and when you're when you're hiring do i imagine that a lot of people could come into the business come at that graduate junior level uh, because hopefully by the sounds of it you're moving people up the chain so you're not having to go and bring in a gm or whatever it is yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, um, our the the difference that probably actually we made was to to make our HR department commercial. Yeah. I think too many people see their people team as a cost, and as soon as they mm. they struggle, that's where they would cut training, they'll cut development. The yeah. finance guys are always squeezing them. Why do you need actually more money? So our our commercial t our HR team 
have a bank of measurements yeah. and they can tell us, well, look, it costs three and a half thousand pounds on average to actually employ someone. And if I can save 10 people in this month, that's clearly 35,000 pounds. So if I can have 10,000 pounds actually for marketing and investment, that's a good investment. Yeah. So it becomes a really easy conversation yeah. as opposed to uh, it all being based upon theory. But I think that it, it does come down to the those stats. So, for example, our target is 60% of all of our mm-hmm. um, actual managerial posts are filled um, yeah, by our team. Yeah. Um, but you also want to bring in you know, actual fresh blood as well because you want to be, be, be bringing in um, expertise from different companies too. Yeah, as you can imagine, I could talk about this topic all of day. Um, it's a speciality. The, the biggest issue in our sector is this, um, it, you know, the, the, the sector's growing, which is amazing, but there's just some not enough people uh, currently to operate it. So there's a big task to go and find new people. Um, but a lot of companies don't have that training and development induction program in place. They've got some things, I don't want to be harsh, but they, they I guess they haven't got a whole, something which they can they can build long term and, and, and that's just driving major issues. The big one is wage inflation because they're having to pay more to get an under, people from un, you know, a very uh, undersupplied talent pool. Uh, and B, there's lack of clarity of what their career path looks like. So when they get approached from a building down the road, they're inclined to go because they don't know what their future is in their own company. Um, so I, I think speaking to you and speaking to other hoteliers, I think you, you, you do a very good job of giving uh, an employee uh, uh, just a roadmap of what, what their career could look like and that right, you know, increases loyalty and, um, and, and, and people will stay, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've seen all these stats. I mean, I think I've said stats 15, 20 times. No, so you can see I'm fairly passionate actually about it. But, you know, I'm pretty sure there's a stat that someone actually showed me that um, 85% of people that, that actually sort of leave a job do so because of their boss. Um, or because of uh, that that actual lack of structure. Yep. Um, very few people actually sort of leave a job because of salary. Um, and I think that too many people get actually excited by salary and think they have to pay the best. We work on a sucker salary, it's, it's a whole package, it's it's mm. absolutely everything. But I think what, what um, there's an, there's an um, old fashioned, I call it, um, sort of way of working, I mean my son, is uh, actually 19 and he decided that he he said he wanted to follow actually in my footsteps which is fantastic you know very very touching but I said to him you can't just suddenly come in and tell people actually yeah yeah, what to do Josh you got to work so he went to work for a fairly well-known hotel company worked in the restaurant and you know actually 19 year old he'd finished his A-levels and he got given his rota on on a Wednesday to start on a Friday. He was working five nights a week. He had to actually to bring in his own uniform. Yeah. There was no food. There was no no training. He lasted six months and said, "Dad, is this the way it is?" And I said, "No, it's not." But unfortunately, there are old-fashioned yeah. actual ways of working, and there's old-fashioned ways of working that you know too many companies believe that the employee should be grateful to actually work for them, mm. and I think it's every way around. We should be grateful that they actually choose us. Right. And actually, when they choose us, we should take care of them. They're our, they're our number one asset. We have to take care of them. But I think as well, it's that consistency. I mean, even in busy actual hotel operations, mm-hmm. we still commit to actually two weeks of rotors for all of our teams so they can plan their life. Yeah. You know, our admin teams have 
structure. We have lots of events that happen, Pancake Day, this day, yeah. that day. And it's like, you know, HR team are constantly going around with chocolates and Easter eggs. And But then it's it's also, it's being, being actually diverse and it's looking at the cultures that are working in your company. Yeah. You know, forcing everyone to actually have Christmas off. Yeah when not everybody celebrates Christmas. So yeah. why do that? So allow people your actual holiday times based upon their their cultural actual celebrations, yeah. you know, letting people take a day off to take their children for the first day at school. How yeah. difficult is that? But it's, but it's just common sense and it's what I would want. And that's how, it, you know, to manage. So it's getting away from the old fashioned actual way of doing it. Um, but I would, I would say to anybody, Nick, listen to your team. Yeah. do a staff survey the number of people that I speak to when I say to them how do you know actually what your staff are thinking well I chat to them I walk around I have a little chat yeah. no no how do you know what every single one of them is thinking because yeah. I do because yeah. I look at it every three months actually without fail every single question 16 questions every three months mm. and, and it's my number one driver yeah you, you, we've spoken a lot about stats and um, one of the um, biggest criticisms of the, the build trend sector is that there is not enough data sharing. I'm not talking about you sharing your your staff satisfaction reports, but uh, data in terms of you know like what what's the appropriate rent to charge in different cities, or or, or, or you know what 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 the tenants want, for example. And uh, everybody's quite uh, protective of their data. Yeah. Um, we need to get a lot better at that. What What's the hospitality industry like, or how historically been like? With, with um, I think probably because it's more established, it's actually it's actually more mature. And yeah. I think that these are the the things that build to rent can probably look at. I mean, there's a system called SDR, and SDR is yeah. a it's a central bank of data that every single um, probably every property in the world goes into. Yeah. Certainly, every major property does. So you can turn up in a city. You don't have to go and ask anyone. You just pull an SDR report and it'll tell you what the average occupancy is, actually what the rate is, mm -hmm. what your comp set is. I mean, for example, even now, obviously there are there are sites out there, trusted stays, etc., for customer service. I don't have any, 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 you know, I'm not saying there's anything actually wrong with trusted stays. They do a great job. Yeah. But when you look at the sort of hotel world, they will give you your service score based upon your competition. Mm. So you might get 4.3 out of 5 and think that's great, but that show hotel down the road can be getting 4.4 out of 5. Yeah. Um, and that's, it's that sharing the data. And I think sort of hotels have become much more, much more comfortable with it because they see the benefit. You know, you've got SDR, you've got, you know, actually Revenate, which is a platform that mm. pulls in all your, all your customer data. Um, so yeah, BTR would definitely benefit because you see people turning up in cities and then yeah. setting setting rents, setting rates, and then before you know it, I mean, we did a feasibility in Portsmouth, yeah. and the only way we could get a real understanding of rates because mm. we don't do theory; it's all very well picking theory. We try to get practice. The only way we could get a real a real clear understanding of rates was to go and visit uh, a, an actual estate agent. Yeah, and to actually sit down with them and say, right, I can see all this stuff on actually right move, but actually, is it selling? Mm -hmm. How quickly does it sell? How quickly will a two thousand five hundred pound a month penthouse sell? Yeah, and then you get all your data from the person that's been doing it actually for ten years. Mm -hmm. But that's that's very cumbersome, and so you have to do that every time. Whereas, as I said before, sort of hotels, you know, it's there. But again, I'm conscious not to be, you know, sort of hotel centric. What yeah. I'm saying here is. 
we are just as strong in BTR. But the reason that we are as strong in BTR is we can bring the actual that data over actually with us and actually yeah. understand actually what it is. Completely agree. Um, we spoke about some of the challenges you, you were talking about, some of the threats of apartheid tells to BTR. What, what are the challenges are you seeing out there for the sector? I think volume. Okay. I think it's the fastest growing sector anywhere. So in fact, you know, and I think there's that many apartments popping up in cities. I mean, it's Manchester is an interesting actual example where mm -hmm. the hotel population in Manchester now is so stretched and there's still actually new openings arriving actually consistently to that city that that city's had to adopt actually a tourism tax because of the, because as a city they were seeing a big drop in occupancy. So there's going to be a time in some of these cities where you will find that there's too many apartments yeah. and then that's when operators are going to have to really focus on quality and then if you focus on quality and, and, and customer retention then you'll be able to actually stay afloat. The amount of unmanned properties that actually you see or the amount of BTR developments that mm -hmm. pop up with very, very sort of minimal actual facilities. I mean, we're very much into uh, ground floor, co-working areas. Yeah. Um, we've started doing some work with co-op in Pretamonji, so putting a shop in, but dedicated for the customer. And then if you bring in sort of Just Eat, then the tenant can then be ordering from the shop and it's up there within two hours. Yeah. You know, put any Amazon locker on the ground floor, um, so I think that the threats are the develop the properties that don't continue to actually evolve. They don't put in the ground floor actual facilities, they don't think yeah. of the size of the apartments and they don't really focus on the customer. I mean, I, I was on a property being actually shown around um, and this, these guys were so chuffed about it but actually my ops manager said 85% of these customers are from, yeah, you know, actually Japan, Thailand, they're all international students. Mm -hmm. There is no signage anywhere in the building that's yeah. actually relevant to the customer. Yeah. It's all very corporate and this is it. And you're like, well, a little bit of you know individuality would just create that extra customer service. Yeah. And that's the bit where people who don't think that way, they're the ones that will struggle. Yeah, it's the other thing with like amenity space. I've been into some buildings and their co-working spaces are packed but I've been into others where they are completely empty or, or other amenity spaces isn't used. Uh, and yeah, you just do wonder that, that there's obviously not a lack of understanding of what their customer wants there. Um, and, and, and they should potentially rethink. And I think that's the, the hope with a lot of these amenity spaces that actually they can be used for multiple things so you can repurpose them when, when they're not getting used. Yeah, but you've got to ask the question, Nick, as to who 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 is a developer, the architect, and the designer asking if that's the right space before yeah. they plan it? So we work with a company called the Infinite Partnership, and those guys um, are building four hundred sorry four hundred twenty apartments co living in Southampton, and they are fantastic actually for us because they think the same way actually as we do. They're very individual, very entrepreneurial, but we sat actually sat around a room and we said, listen, we're actually making decisions for people that are probably between 25 and 40 and there's no one in this room under 40. Yeah. So perhaps we should maybe be a bit more self-thinking. So we did a partnership with Oxford Brooks yep. and we had 12 students, um, some graduate students on a board and a couple of teachers. And then all of our core decisions on the ground floor, 
you know, if we put in a spatch, would you use it? If we put in classes, would you pay for it? What type of shop? And those guys, mm. they took all the feedback away. They did some work on it, did some work on the gym. And we believe we've got a more rounded um, uh, focus on structure because we've asked people who would be, be buying it from us. Yeah. As opposed to assuming, I mean, you know, I'm assuming what actually my son would actually want to buy. Yeah. Whereas really, why don't you go and ask him? Absolutely. Um, so it seems that switch, although you're not owning the assets, you're you're having a you're supporting a lot of developers with how they actually what they how they build their buildings before. Yeah, and it's become really interesting. And what we're doing is we're adding to yields. Yeah. So we did a bit of work on on a property recently, and what we found as well is is that the advice that they've been given, sometimes advice is it it's crucial because it gives you the it gives you the comfort. It helps with your bank mm. funding. Um, you know, having a recognised agent do that's great, but I think we can add to that. We're not saying we take the place of a recognised agent, yeah. but we can add to that as to this is actually what you could have. There's a difference between actually what you can have and actually what you could have. Actually, yeah. what you can have is f fairly safe. What you could have is the next step up. So, for example, the property we're looking at actually in Portsmouth from the eighth floor up is an. Un every single apartment, so from floor eight to floor 20, so 20 floors, all sea views, actual city views. Yeah. There was no real premium being put in actually for the, the size. There was no real focus on balconies outside space. Yeah. We went back and did a whole pile of work on it and we grew that actual profitability to 20%. Mm. And then when we added in the corporate market, that was another 15%. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's just that there's a lot of safe building. Well, let's just put in 200, you know, let's get, as many apartments as we can and it's like yes but does the marketplace want 22 24 right. actual square meter apartments or does it want to maybe have 20 20 apartments less but actually more feature Absolutely. i mean it's like you, we had in this scheme we put in um 40 penthouse apartments and the owner's like well can we justify penthouse apartments this is well look they're just the same as a two bed uh actual four person apartment yeah. which is it's just being called a penthouse yeah. Because people will, you know, aspire to buy it because it says penthouse. Yeah, absolutely. Um, talk to about sort of future predictions. So, wh where do you see the sector going in five years, ten years from now? Well, I think it's it's massive. It's the fastest growing sector. Yeah. I think, um, you know, sort of hotels are are popping up probably at ten percent actually the rate actually BTR. So I think BTR is going to be massive and it's going to grow. But I think. To 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 evolve, it needs to have more focus on service and more focus on the customer. Or else, you're just going to end up with a transient customer flipping from one building to the next every six months with no real sort of loyalty. Yeah. You know, we've got a building that's been up now for three years. It's running at ninety eight percent occupancy, very low turnover of customer. Our challenge now is continuing to actually drive actual rental yields yeah. because you've got such actual sort of loyalty. Um, so I see the market growing. I think it's still a actually growing market, but mm -hmm. I think the actually my advice would probably be to try to diversify a little bit. So it's like, for example, you know, we're looking yeah. at um, we don't look at uh, a building now and just think it's a hotel. Actually, we look at it and think, okay, that's a hotel. It's also an apart hotel. It's also a convenience store. It might well even be 
you know, extra revenue from a car park. So yeah. we look at it and think, right, well, there's four different income streams there. And I think BTR developers need to start thinking the same. Say, look, I mean, you know, there's lots of properties right now in London. I mean, for example, all around Canary Wharf, the sort of hotels that are popping up mm. now that are not really branded as a hotel. You can see the signage, but it's but it's fairly softly back. So the ground floor is completely sort of retail access, actually from the street, yeah. doubling up on facilities. I mean, it's like you said earlier, the amount of properties that you go into in BTR developments and it's yeah. empty, no one's using it. But then you've got to try to find a way to evolve to say, right, well, how can it be actually multi-use? Mm -hmm. How can we get people from outside to actually use it? It's like, you know, our PRS development, all of our residents have a membership of a luxury hotel next door. They can go in and charge it to their apartment yeah. and then they get billed at the end of the month. It's, it's, so the challenge I think is not being actually creative. Yeah. And that's what the industry actually needs to do. Yeah. Certainly in city centres, it's great, bang them up, happy days. But, you know, you need to be thinking, should I consider putting a bit more ground floor space? Should I consider building a sort of hotel and yeah. a wing and giving myself an extra income stream? Yeah. Well, um, look, I'm uh, very excited to watch you guys grow over the next couple of years. Um, I think, yeah, you're clearly very passionate about what you do. And um, I'm really excited to watch you guys grow. Um, and I assume the types of people who would value a conversation would be kind of developers and investors uh, in this space. Yeah, and I think as well, architects as well, and actually designers, because I think architects and designers, you know, the more operational experience they can bring to the table, the better, because yeah. then they're, they are, you know, getting the building right first time round. Um, you know, there's nothing worse than getting planning and then the operator saying, well, that, that been, thing doesn't work or that actual lift solution yeah. doesn't work or why did you put bike racks in an area that's got X, Y and Z? I mean, you, you know, we did a bit of work recently where we were looking at putting um, Amazon lockers into bike racks because there's that many bike racks because of planning. Yeah. So yeah, it is sharing best practice, I think. Yeah. So ultimately it's developers, it's investors, yeah. you know, but the market's quite closed. The BTL market's a closed market. It's, mm. it's quite safe. The same, same operating companies seem to take over actually most of the developments well we just have to keep on banging away to say yeah. well look we are not quite safe we do, we like to think in double digits rather than single digits yeah absolutely well so whoever's listening and would like to speak to john we're going to put his contact details into the podcast bio but john thank you very much for joining thank you very much thank you pleasure. thank you enjoyed it thank you